Welcome to Collier's Talks, a podcast series featuring the latest trends, insights, research, and developments in commercial real estate in Canada and beyond. Thank you, everybody, for joining us on our Collier's 125th anniversary podcast. Whether you're listening in the car on your way home from work or walking home or whether you're uh, watching our video here with, uh, with my face for radio, uh, excited to have the conversation today, talk a little bit about Collier's history, our, our future. Uh, I'm joined today with a special guest, uh, Chris McCornan. He's our CEO for Global Real Estate Services. Uh, I'm, I'm Brian Rosen. I'm our CEO and president for our Canadian business. Chris, welcome to the podcast. Hey, Brian. Great to be here. Great. Well, look, Collier's has been a, a really important part of your, your whole life, to be honest. Uh, and I'm excited to talk about, uh, talk about you, your professional career, as, as well as uh, some of Collier's history and, and our future. So let's get started. Yeah, Brian, I'm hugely passionate about Collier's. And uh, I've been fortunate to have my whole professional career at Collier's for 35 plus years. And it's really remarkable that a, a Canadian company, um, you know, started in Vancouver, has reached this uh, great milestone of 125 years. That's amazing. And, and, and 35 years uh, here, I'm jealous. Um, I'm approaching five next year, uh, so I got a little bit more time to go. Um, but uh, but I'm, um, I'm excited to toast to that in, 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 in 30 more years. But, but why don't we start with your story? So, so I'd love to learn a little bit more. Everybody would uh, love to learn a little bit more about sort of how you got your start here and uh, you know, uh, how you progressed over the years into the great role you're in now. Perfect, Brian. Well, first of all, I was born into a real estate family, so it was always around uh, the dinner table. Um, I ended up going to, uh, to Queen's University, taking my economics degree, and uh, having that focus on real estate, I uh, ended up taking my real estate license uh, for Ontario in my final semester with the thoughts of uh, working in Toronto um, after being raised in Vancouver. But um, so uh, in April of 87, I uh, joined Collier's Macaulay Nichols, the name at the time, uh, at 20 Queen Street West, um, and it was predominantly a, a leasing shop. And uh, back then, things were, were pretty simple. Uh, companies didn't have training programs, so it was basically a, a desk and a phone and get out canvassing. Um, but what was amazing was that the, the people there, um, although there was no training program, there was great mentorship, it was very collaborative, and there were some great role models. Um, you know, the Cowies would stand out. Um, and so they were very supportive in that environment to, to grow the, the young talent. Um, and so I was fortunate to, to have a, a great run. And uh, in the last three years before I went on to my next chapter, I, I won the award for the, the most transactions per year on a Canadian basis. And that was north of 120 transactions per year. That, that, that's great. I love, I love the fact that our, global, uh, our CEO of a global business is an award-winning uh, uh, leasing person from earlier in his career as well. So that, that just, uh, in my mind, that lends a lot of credibility. Well, I, I took a page out of the Malcolm Gladwell's, you know, 10,000 hours that I really wanted to become an expert in my, uh, in my field. And so I felt, uh, whether it was a small deal, medium or large deal, um, basically doing two deals every week, you know, every, every week of the year. So um, it was a great way to, to learn my, my craft and my skills, and um, you know, it was an exciting time. In the early 80s, um, commercial real estate was in vogue. It was you know, going into the capital markets business uh, investment banking, or it was into commercial real estate. So it was a, a really a great energy in those early 80s, and uh, a lot of fun, and um, made a lot of friends uh, in the Toronto office. At some point, um, I finally said, let's get serious about Europe. So I talked to, to leadership and I said, look, I'm prepared to move to London. 
um, we need to have boots on the ground if we're really gonna, you know, make this work. So in 2008, I, I moved my family to, to London. Um, there was no in-house HR department to, to help me make that move. So everything was figured out from, you know, working visas and, you know, different currencies and moving. Um, but we were able to do that. Right during the great financial crisis. So. Right before. So right I moved before. in May and, you know, Lehman's was in September. And, uh, you know, th these were, uh, again, there's a theme. There was the peso crisis. Now yeah, that we, we share a little bit of a black swan history. I, I moved to Texas when oil crashed. I graduated business school in the great financial crisis. Uh, it, seems, uh, it seems when we make major life transitions, uh, the world goes down. So we have to stay at Collier's now for the remainder of our career. You seems like not a problem. So me, Chris, this is job security. That's the whole purpose of this podcast. Um, so anyway, continue. We moved over in the great financial crisis, 2008. So where do you go from there? So at the, at the time, again, you know, just Central and Eastern Europe with the five countries, we were doing something like 11 million in revenue. And I was in the doghouse. We had four and a half million in negative EBITDA. It was, it was really tough and challenging times. But, you know, we'd been through challenging times before and uh, we had a strategy to build the, the European platform. Um, and so, you know, we took it one step at a time. And we were able to build a business and something that, you know, uh, is probably, you know, my legacy and something that I'm very proud of is that uh, over a 10 year period, we grew the business to, you know, 700 million in revenue, uh, consolidated 95% of all the affiliates um, in uh, their revenue and in, in their in the region. And now we're approaching 100 million in EBITDA in, in the region. So um, through a lot of investment and working with the strategic investment team with Elias Malamuto in, in Toronto, uh, I think we did 25 plus uh, acquisitions in the region, both the affiliates and some best in class um, firms to, to join. And um, right now we're a, a great respectable piece of the overall global platform. That's great. That's great. And that led to the, to the most recent um, uh, position that you had, right, which is uh, uh, July of last year when you got appointed to the, to the uh, newly created uh, CEO for the global real estate services business, right? Yeah, that's correct, Brian. So uh, on to the next chapter, and uh, it's one year uh, into the position, and I continue to remain uh, super excited about uh, where the business is going and, and how strong the brand has, has become. That's great. Uh, it, it's, uh, I mean, you, for your, your career journey is, is definitely one that is admirable from the standpoint of, of having the desire to move. And it's a good lesson for people listening too that are thinking about taking those risks and you know, moving your family. It's something we talk about with, with young leaders about having that, the, the desire to move. Canadians, we often find, aren't as, as willing to make those moves as a lot of uh, people we see in the U.S., et cetera. So seeing, seeing you as a blueprint of you can be successful, but you have to take some, some personal risk, uh, some business risks, et cetera. I think it's a, it's a, it holds up great for people in this industry, people at Collier's, et cetera. So, so uh, really appreciate the role modeling on that. But I, I think the advice is that, you know, for myself, you, you have to seek it out. We're an entrepreneurial company, enterprising. And it's not someone that's tapping you on the shoulder and saying, you know, here's your next move. You really have to, you know, look for these opportunities, you know, build your personal brand within the in the company and, and, and kind of make it happen for yourself. So, you know, that, that's the way Collier's works. Agreed. Uh, that, that, that's one of the things that's very attractive about it. And so so uh, on that theme, let's talk a little bit about Collier's. Yeah. First of all, a bit of a fun fact. OK, you know, sure. Please. 125 years. Uh, the average length of a, a CEO term is, is five years. So Got it. do the math. There should be 25 CEOs in, in that history. 
But I think Carter's is unique in that, you know, we've only had um, eight and Brian, you're the, you're the eighth uh, CEO of Colliers Canada. And so the average tenure is 15 years, and that gives you a runway of 10 years, at least at a minimum. That's great, which continues on. This podcast is all about my job security. So um, I, I like, I like the, where this is going. Um, but no, that's, that, 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 that is really special. I mean, I think that, that sim- symbolizes the commitment Colliers has, but also the growth path that we've been on. We've been successful. CEOs don't stay in roles for long periods of time if they're not successful. And I think that is, uh, that's a great track record to, to have there. Um, so. so I think, I think Colliers has been you know, super lucky in, in finding great leadership you know, to keep on um, being agile and adjusting to the times. You, know, you think about 125 years and surviving you know, two great world wars, depression, um, some serious recessions with high interest rates. Um, the global financial crisis, COVID, and we've been able to, you know, adjust and, and, and make it work and continue to thrive. And actually, you know, we've made some great strides in um, taking advantage of those downturns. Um, and I think in, in Europe, coming out of the global financial crisis, we were able to make some, some really strategic moves and some bold moves, you know, in, in, in tough times. So um, I'm looking for those situations now, you know. I, when I first started the, the, the last chapter here um, in July of last year, you know, the capital markets world uh, started to crumble. And year over year, we're down 50% uh, in terms of volume. And, and uh, capital markets investment sales are an important part of our, our revenue stream. Uh, this will come back. This is a cycle. We've seen it before. You know, we, we've made the adjustments. And... Um, but we're excited. You know, we are building the team to take advantage of when that market comes back. Absolutely. It's, it's the best time to build oftentimes is when there is a, a depressed market. Uh, because, as you said, when you went to Mexico and you're able to find good talent, you're able to restart. There's only one one direction it can go sometimes. Um, so so that, that I totally agree. Um, uh, let's talk about some of the fun stuff about Collier's uh, our history that a lot of people they don't necessarily know, and uh, this could be, I think, informative and fun for them. So, so we got started in 1898, but tell us a little bit more about that uh, in terms of in terms of some of our our fun history. You know, Vancouver had a population of 20,000, and it was two entrepreneurs, uh, Charles Macaulay, who came from Nova Scotia, and John Nichols, who came from Western England. Uh, at the ages of, of 30 and, and 28, they decided to uh, start a, a property and insurance company. Um, you know, they were offering services in land sales, property management, uh, insurance, uh, both for property and marine. And then they were actually giving loans. And I looked at the history books and it was at 6%, probably pretty close to where we are today, you know, 125 years later. Yeah. Um, but I think it was the diversity of, of the firm at the time that, you know, made it uh, through, uh, you know, those, those critical times for the first 50 years, probably. Um, and then in uh, the early 1900s, um, uh, Ronald Maitland joined the, uh, the company and he brought the uh, marine insurance specialty and, you know, the name was changed from Macaulay Nichols to Macaulay Nichols Maitland. Um, Another interesting fact is it must have been a hot real estate market. There were 50 real estate uh, shops and only 40 grocery stores at the time. So this uh, is in the early 1900s. This is. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. That's really interesting. So you you could you more easily sell a property than buy uh, a carton of eggs. 
Um, although, which I learned in some of my research, that uh, Collier's uh, was founded before egg cartons were invented. So Macaulay, uh, Macaulay Nichols Maitland, uh, and that, that company continues to grow uh, over time and, and go through many of the cycles, as you mentioned, the boom, the bust, the depression, the world wars, uh, et cetera. And as that company continues to expand and grow, and, then, and, and how do we kick it into that next gear? When does the company really start to shift? Yeah, so I think there are a number of key milestones, and, and probably the first thing is that the um, solidifying the market position on the on the West Coast in Vancouver, Victoria, Alberta, and Seattle. So to have a strong base was super important, and they became the the preeminent firm on, on the West Coast. And so by having that solid base, you can you know take some gambles and some risks and, and look at growth. Um, the other thing that was happening was the, the great influence from, from Asia. So there was a lot of trade, both capital and, and trade between uh, Western Canada and, and Asia Pacific. Uh, lots of investors coming in and we were getting used to that. So uh, I think the next milestone is Macaulay Nichols Maitland opened a Hong Kong office in 1982. So that was the first international office. Um, at the same time, uh, you know, John McLernan, the CEO at the time, really uh, was a visionary and saw that the business was going global. Um, and at the same time, he, uh, he had heard that there was a group of Australian entrepreneurs that had the same thinking, that they were thinking the business was going to go global, it was going to go more consultative. And uh, Robert McEwick, um, who was head of the Australian Collier's business, had uh, uh, consolidated a group of companies across Australia and then came up with the idea of, of licensing uh, the Collier's brand. They, they created the new Collier's brand and logo um, and they were copying the, the Price Waterhouse model of creating a worldwide federation. Uh, so when John McLaren heard about this, he you know, got on a plane and you know, from his Hong Kong office, they, they met with Robert and he, he did a tour of Singapore, Malaysia and in, in Australia. Uh, they got along famously. Um, and, um, you know, that's the genesis of where the Collier's brand comes from, is that these two gentlemen, you know, the founders, um, really had the, the fortitude to see where, where the business was going. Yeah, no, that's, that, that's great. And, and uh, you know, one of the things that's interesting, you mentioned uh, when we were talking about this a little earlier, that uh, when the Collier's first started out, there was just a handful of people. It was uh, uh, not first started out, sorry. When uh, it first started to make that large expansion and growth in the, in the 70s and 80s, uh, there was a handful of shareholder employees. And what's fun and nice about this is that a lot of them are still part of Collier's. And I sign anniversary cards for people who were original shareholders at the 35 years, 40 years at the company. And it's just nice to see that commitment and loyalty over time. And I'm sure you have a lot of those uh, individuals still across the organization globally. Well, I think, you know, Canada and probably Australia are unique in that, in that we've done a really good job of creating our own farm team, that we really grow our own. And we have this, you know, long-term commitment, um, you know, from, from our brokers, advisors, and, and employees. And it's really nice to see. Um, you know, we went before we, um, you know, um, took on our, our strategic investor of first service, we were a private company, uh, probably 300 across the country, and it was uh, senior leadership, it was brokers, it was secretaries, it was receptionists, and there was this great uh, camaraderie and um, spirit of growth and success, and that we were all behind it, and, um, you know, it was, it was a special time. 
So then I would say the final couple of phases, right, were, were 2004 first service uh, helmed by Jay Hanek, who's currently our global chairman and CEO, uh, uh, purchased in, uh, up until going public on our own in 2015 when we spun out from first service. Why don't you tell, tell us a little bit about that, that, that period in time, which is really leading us up to the current state. Yeah, I think that that was the most important development in the, in the history of the company. Uh, Jay uh, and, and the first service team were definitely the accelerator. They had the, the strategy, they had the, the expertise in, in M&A, and they had the capital um, and the unbridled ambition to be a, a global player. Um, you know, up to that period, uh, the Canadian um, member of Colliers had consolidated probably a third of the world, uh, predominantly uh, Canada, West Coast of the U.S., Asia Pacific, Latin America, Central and Eastern Europe. But there was much of the world to go. And we were also shackled by the affiliation agreement that uh, we needed to get control. Um, I remember the, the day uh, meeting Jay after the purchase, and uh, he was super enthusiastic, excited, inspiring, and um, he was super excited about where we could take Collier's. And he's, he's really known for solving problems and unlocking shareholder value. And, and he said, look, I think I just bought a, a deck of cards. There's only 38 cards in the deck and we need to get to the 52. So I think, you know, when we uh, did the sale, revenues were 290 million and look where we are today at four and a half billion. So um, certainly that, that success and that contribution from Jay and, and, and the team have, have really, you know, made the difference and taken us to the world level. I think, you know, you look at the 90s, 90s was a, uh, an era of globalization. And, you know, our competitors quickly, rapidly globalized. And we were global, but we were global through an affiliation. So we were kind of held back. And I think we lost probably 10 to 15 years but we've been able to, to regain that over the last 10 years. Yeah. Um, Fascinating. I mean, it, a lot of times people, people ha have noticed that when I talk with people, they see our, our entrepreneurial spirit. And, and, and that's also great about First Service, too, is that they brought a, a sort of a, um, an aligned entrepreneurial spirit. And so talking about a little bit about our values, about how we operate, uh, college is known as being very decentralized. And you know, tell us a little bit about that. Tell us a little bit about... Our, our ethos around that decentralization, that enterprising, what it means to you, and, and what do you see across the, the global space that you, 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 you lead? Yeah, so one of the key uh, success factors is this decentralized model, and it uh, supports the enterprising culture of who we are. Um, it, it allows us to be agile, and what it does is it, it puts the, the decisions at the local market level, the national level, and, and the regional level. And we want those decisions that are close to our people and our clients. We want to be able to move uh, fast and be an agile and have very little bureaucracy. You know, compared to our competitors that have layers and layers of bureaucracy, we want to be able to see an opportunity and move quickly. Also, in, in, in challenging times, you know, we want, um, you know, our, our leadership to make decisions quickly. You know, uh, another thing that supports our decentralized model is um, having equity partnerships and then also meaningful long-term incentive plans with, with our leadership. So we have um, a complete alignment, what we call skin in the game, you know, rather than just having a, a professional manager that, you know, wants to keep all their resources and teams in challenging times through our model, we can make the, the right smart decisions um, and as well with you know client requests or client opportunities 
um, you know, we can move quickly. So I think that that's the embodies, you know, the decentralized model and the differentiator than our major competitors. Yeah, I, I, I can I can vouch for that, having come from large matrix organizations. And it is a real difference here. Uh, and uh, I, one of the things, too, being being the leader of the Canadian business, but having the global headquarters uh, in Toronto, that was attractive to me. But one of the always the downsides of that is the, the global C-suite will then meddle in their backyard, so to speak, uh, in a way that is counterproductive. I've seen it at other Canadian uh, organizations. And true to our form, we don't do that. Uh, whether it's your, yourself, uh, uh, Jay Hennick, whether it's Christian Mayer, our CFO, uh, it's 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 the partnership that that I get, and I'm not just saying this to be obsequious. Uh, the partnership I get, as opposed to the no, I'm I'm the global CEO, I'm the CEO of the global real estate business. You will do what what we say. It's more about no, this is your business. Uh, we have a vantage point in Canada that provides unique perspective that you should probably listen to, um, but but your business to run and you make mistakes and we'll have successes. And I think that's, that's different. And I've spoken to colleagues who don't experience that. And it is a real uh, game changer as a leader. I get the benefits of a global Canadian based organization without the downsides of having the shadow over me at all times, which, which uh, uh, for a decentralized organization, we live the credo. So for me that I, I couldn't agree with you more and I see it all over the place. You guys are at the cool face of it. You know, you're in it day to day. You're going to have, you know, your fingers on the pulse, and that's important for us. It's not for us, you know, sitting at headquarters to to have that feeling. Um, so I think so far it's working working well. You know, after after 12 months. It, it, I agree with you. And um, after 125 years too, we got the, the 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 shareholder returns to prove that too in the last uh, since we've been public. So 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 I agree with you. Uh, you know what. What motivates you? So you've been here 35 years, talked about our culture, talked about our enterprising spirit. So what keeps you continually motivated and challenged in, in terms of wanting to stay here? Yeah, for me, it's it's all about the culture, the enterprising culture and, and, and spirit of Colliers and, and really the people. Um, that's been the success. And when when um, people leave Colliers, you know, when they move on to clients or they, they retire, the one thing they say is that they're going to miss the people. And so I've been really fortunate to have great colleagues in, in, in different regions that I've worked that are, are truly, I can call my friends. So I think that that, that excites me. And, um, you know, Colliers is, is dynamic. It's fun. Every day is different. Uh, we're challenged. And I love the, the growth mindset. You know, we're... Um, you know, action is, is our bias. And, um, you know, we, we continue to look at, at new opportunities. It's all about growth. And um, that's exciting to me. So we talked about some of the benefits of our enterprise and culture. I spoke from experience as a leader. How do you think this translates to our, our, our larger organization? So we have a lot of people interested in commercial real estate right now. It's an interesting time in the market. But when you, you travel across the world and meet, meet our people, how does this uh, enterprising spirit manifest in, in, in our you know, I think 60,000 or 20,000 people. I can't remember the exact 18, number. 18,000. All right. Well, you know, I kind of exaggerate a little bit for, for brand value, but, but the 20,000 people that we have, how does this, how does this translate to them in terms of that, that, that ethos of enterprising and decentralized? I think it boils down to, you know, our people feel like they're entrepreneurs within a global umbrella of the Collier's brand. And especially when they come from competitors that have a different model and mindset, you know, what I'm told is that at the competitors, you have to stay within your swim lane, right? At Collier's, you can be creative and you can move throughout the platform with your clients. 
So we ask you to collaborate in different service lines or different geographies, but you can move from service line to service line and geography to geography, where at the competitors you can't. So I think, you know, being an entrepreneur and following your clients and giving the best service to your clients is, is really what our people enjoy about being at Collier's. And this is obviously legendarily associated with our brokers, but this is more than just our brokers, right? Our brokers obviously embody this to the, to the, to the fullest extent, but this applies to whether you're in our engineering design team, whether you're uh, in our project management, our property management divisions, all these divisions also embrace that enterprising spirit, correct? Absolutely. And, you know, with the sophistication of today's business, we really need to hunt in packs so it's just not one service line going into the client. Um, we're often taking several service lines, whether it's workplace consulting, property management, engineering, you know, the, the brokerage side of things. Uh, we need to show up as a team and, you know, working in the Collier's way is, you know, how do we solve the client's business challenges? We're not there just for the transaction or to get a, a monthly fee. Um, it's about solving those business problems by providing real estate solutions. That's that. That's great. I, I I do like that. I like hunting in packs. I think that's a great a great analogy to use. Uh, you mentioned earlier when you were talking about your background that in the '80s real estate was in vogue and it was the thing to do. Uh, what's what do, what do you think about now in terms of there's so many alternatives. Uh, obviously, the job market is 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 interesting right now, but still pretty low unemployment. So there's a lot of choice out there for employees, but but particularly Canadian because we're talking about the Canadian 125th anniversary. What do you say to a lot of people thinking about our industry? Well, I think, first of all, you have to be a self-starter, you know, if you're going to join an enterprising organization. What I can say is it's a dynamic business. It's fast-moving. Every day is different, different clients, different properties. Um, you know, it's very collegiate. Uh, there's lots of great mentors. And, uh, you know, it's an exciting business to be at. So if you are a social person, because... You know, being successful in this industry, you need to build relationships. It is a relationship-based business, and the more relationships you have, the more successful you're going to be. So I think for a certain uh, character, you know, to come into this business, um, you're going to do very well, and it's exciting. Does it, in terms of, uh, in order to be successful, you mentioned those, those types of things, but what about the industry, too, right now, when, you, when you, we look at it, and obviously uh, it's, it's, it's a hot topic, but... But college has been through this before. What do you think in this current state of the industry, the skills any different than they necessarily needed to be 20 years ago, 30 years ago in order to be successful? Or really is the, the core DNA of what it takes similar and it's just the tools and the techniques are slightly different over time? Yeah, I, I think, you know, the big change is to move from transactional to being a true advisor and, and counseling your clients. Um, you know, the the technology that's coming along. Uh, technology is not going to, to take our jobs away. It's only going to enhance us. So we're going to be more productive and we're going to have, um, you know, more insights from our, from our uh, information for our clients. Looking ahead, we've had a lot of growth in Collier's. We've had a lot of different businesses, but as, as you see it, you're, as you said, you're 12 months in, in your new role, uh, but you're not 12 months at Collier's. Uh, what's next for us? What's next for Collier's in the future? Yeah, what I, what I love about uh, the future is the growth and where we are today in, in our, compared to our competitive set. One, one of the neat things is that, and you may not know this, is that we're third in terms of uh, market capitalization size. So we're at 5.4 billion. You know, we have this established, strong global firm. 
Um, and I'm looking at, uh, you know, we're starting conversations about our 2030 enterprise plan and how do we double the size of the firm. It's incredible how much growth there still is in, in the business. Um, I look at capital markets, investment sales. Our market share globally is only 6%, if you can believe that. And so if we were able to double that to 12%, we could add another $250 million to EBITDA, which is very exciting for, for the business and uh, will bring um, a lot of extra value to the company. Um, other areas, occupier services. Um, you know, we're still at the beginning of our journey. We've got a, a great team globally, uh, a great stable of clients, but you know, there's definitely room for scale there. Um, we've got lots of uh, pockets where we can fill in for property management, engineering services, uh, project management. So within our current services, um, there's tons of room for growth. And then we're going to start to look at, you know, what's adjacent to, uh, you know, real estate services and what, what could be added. Um, so the team is now, now working on that. So um, lots of opportunity, and I, I remain very excited about the future. That's great. I mean, as, as we talked about earlier, I have at least 10 more years in this role to complete my uh, my minimum requirement for the Canadian CEO position. So uh, this gives a handful for me to work on, which is great, um, but uh, but definitely a, a great roadmap for the for the company at large. Uh, as we as we as we close this out, I just is there any anything that you want to impart uh, wisdom uh, to, to to people listening in terms of uh, your experience, commercial real estate, uh, the Collier's uh, story, uh, et cetera? Obviously, it's been a very successful and uh, 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 you know enterprising career for yourself and and for actually uh, multiple McLernans uh, at the at the organization as well. What's your what's your words of wisdom for everybody out there? I think, you know, I, I've said a number of times that we're a growth company and we'll continue to get bigger and bigger and, and that's, you know, the fact of life. But the key to, is to keep the culture and the decentralized model. So if we go from four and a half billion to nine billion, uh, our, our challenge is to make sure that we keep the DNA and who we are and that we don't let bureaucracy come into the business. So, um, you know, hiring the right leaders, empowering them to get on with the business is, is really going to be our, our success. And so I think we're on the right track. And I think that's my number one job is to make sure that we keep that, that enterprising culture and DNA within the Collier's um, platform. Chris, thank you for your time today. Really appreciate the, the opportunity to talk about yourself, talk about Collier's. I learned a lot in the process and uh, really appreciate it. So thank you. Thank you, Brian. You know, I love talking about Collier's. It was truly an enjoyable time. Great. Thank you, everybody. Appreciate you spending some time with us or whether you're listening or watching and uh, hope you learned a lot about Collier's as well. Appreciate it. Thanks for listening to Collier's Talks podcast. To learn more about Collier's Canada, our experts and our solutions, visit colliercanada.com or find us on LinkedIn, Twitter, and Facebook.